They're not surviving. They're thriving. They're not hidden figures. You just haven't been looking. These Black and Latinx women in STEM have stories to share about their challenges, successes, and lessons learned. It's time to amplify them. My name is Matt Stevenson, and welcome to another episode of Technically 200, a podcast about Black and Latinx women in STEM. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Brenda Torres, who not only launched her own startup, but did so with her fiance. She also tells us the meaning of Ponte Las Villas. All right, Brenda, let's get started. Today we have with us Dr. Brenda Torres. She is the Chief Scientific Officer at Canary Q. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, well, that's right. Awesome. Well, so first off, could you just tell us how did you get here? Oh, yeah, that that story, right? <laughs> I'm from El Paso, Texas, and started liking science at a very early age. Um, in high school, we had a program called the Cosmos, and it was really focused on getting students to focus who were interested in math and science careers. So from an early age, I was, you know, doing the AP classes of, you know, doing calculus and, and chemistry. And, and then after that, I went to college at St. Edwards University down in Austin, Texas. That was a really great experience. Uh, what I really liked about uh, St. Ed's was is just the class size was really small. So I think that was a great opportunity for my teachers to sort of get to know me. The small classrooms were, I think, instrumental to my education because it was really nice to get to know my teachers at a, you know, yeah, personal level, right? I, I would get to like talk to them about what I wanted to do after college. And so it was nice to have them sort of know me that in that way. I applied for the PhD program for immunology at Stanford, and that was great too. I was there for six years. Through that experience, I realized that, you know, I really wanted to continue uh, being in the sciences. There was a moment where, like, I really wanted to be a faculty. I wanted to be a professor and, like, help other students get interested in, in, in math and science as well. And then... Um, I decided to take a different uh, career path and actually uh, start my own startup. And uh, that's been <laughs> a whole different experience, uh, but it's really great. I think I sort of needed that. I wanted to try something different and to sort of figure out this whole different world, Do again, still doing science uh, along the way. And yeah, I'm, I'm here. That's, that's where I'm, <laughs> I'm at now. <laughs> yeah. And so what is a chief scientific officer, at least at Canary Q? What does that mean for you and your role? Yeah, so uh, the interesting part is that for us right now, it's just me and my co-founder. So, you know, once we get um, more um, hires, then as chief scientific officer, I would sort of be leading the the pro like the experiments i would be advising my team in terms of you know what is the direction that we take next based on the data that we receive um it's you know talking to the ceo about you know what are the next steps that we need to take 
um, advocating for, you know, how we um, budget the money that we have, like, should it be uh, going to, you know, how do we um, get it to be allocated to like the engineering group that we would have or the science group that we have. So it's sort of a lot of um, managing. But the funny thing is I felt like I really learned this because I was at a different startup. And there I, I got to see like firsthand how chief scientific officer, what that role is. And I fell in love with it. Like I just love the idea of being somewhere where, you know, you're working endlessly to get a product out that you're really passionate about and, you know, just really advocating for what you think uh, could really help someone. And so I sort of liked that a lot. And I think it was a really good move for me to, to be here. Yeah. Wonderful. And so I'm really excited to find out what was your experience in launching Canary Q and, and what is, what is Canary Q? The way that it started actually was um, while I was still in grad school. So my fiance was working at SRI International, and there he had this really great opportunity to sort of focus on point of care diagnostics. And through that experience, he found that, you know, sample handling. So when you get, you know, a blood sample, um, that's often sort of a step that doesn't get a lot of focus. A lot of focus um, revolves around the test, around the assay. So, you know, the you get a sample of blood and then maybe it goes through a lateral flow strip. And, and the real, um, the thing that we wanted to focus on was how do you get a really good specimen? Um, um, it's, you know, there's a lot that goes behind that, uh, that particular step that we really wanted to, if, to focus on. And so um, while I, well, after grad school, after I finished, he, he was really wanting to create this startup. And so we, we decided, okay, let's give it a chance. Let's do it. It's now or never sort of thing. Like, you know, we don't, we don't have any kids. We do want to start a family, but, you know, let's do it um, while we have, you know, we saved up money. We we just really wanted to give this a chance. And so uh, we did that. And now um, it's been three years and, um, you know, still going strong, still learning um, a lot. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, we're just focusing on that step before um before you you do your test it's the how do you handle a sample i think you know how you mix it how you separate blood from plasma those are really important steps and um we we want to focus on that so i actually started code to college the nonprofit that i that i run with my wife and oh that's great yeah well so is it great is the question <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> because because I can only imagine uh, the challenges that you must have faced launching a startup with your fiance. I mean, you you're not even married yet, so fiance. Yeah. There's there's a whole. I mean, what if what if this changes the answer? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. So I know. what what has that journey been like to to start an organization with your significant other? 
Yeah, I think I think that it's so funny that you asked that question because, um, you know, when we when we would do pitches, I think that's one of the things that I think a lot of investors are also thinking like, you know, at any moment, what if there's this big fight and it's not it's not going to work out, right? Um, I think it's I think once you get to know us, I think and I and we've heard this from people um, is that. Uh, I think we're a really good team. Like he's, he's an, uh, he's an engineer and we just think differently, but we, we have complementary uh, styles. So I'm very much of someone who like, likes a schedule, likes an order and he's more freestyle. And I think that allows him to be very creative about the designs that we, we have about our devices um, and then, but at the same time, I'm also sort of keeping track of like, okay, we need to start applying for these grants. We need to start thinking about talking to these investors and sort of, sort of like keeping that schedule and also thinking about, you know, who is this going to serve? Um, so I think, I think the fact that like we, we um, complement each other. Um, but also the fact that yeah, there have been there have been those fights where it's like you know I see one direction and he sees another, and I think what's really great is that we get that opportunity to really understand where the other is coming from. Like we actually we need to like we take that time. Like even if it takes us days to really understand why we each have wanting to take different directions. I think it's really, I, I feel like I know him better. Like, I feel like, oh, okay, he's coming from this angle. I'm coming from this. And, and, and like, we work together to make something that works for both of us. And I don't think that a lot of companies get to do that enough. Um, I don't think they get that time. And I, I think that's really important. And I hope that, like, once we get more people, like, that I you know, we continue that. Like, I really want to get people to feel like they can tell me, like, what their views are and that, like, I really understand, you know, where they're coming from and, you know, how can we work together to do that. So it almost sounds like this was additive or there were were quite a few maybe unexpected benefits of you having that other layer to your relationship. Yes. Absolutely, like it's it's crazy to think because like we 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 were together, like I met him um, when I started grad school, so we were together for eight years before we started the company, and I feel like I I'm getting to know him even more through this experience. I think I think if you really want to test whether you know you guys should get married, you know, start a business together. Um, and that's the, that's the real test. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think it's been great. Like even, you know, the moments where, like I said, where we disagree, I think we've learned a lot about each other. Did you grow up in El Paso? Yeah. So when up. you think back to your childhood, mm-hmm. would you say that your journey of getting a PhD in immunology from Stanford University and launching a startup, would, yeah. you, have, would you have expected that of yourself or um, could you have predicted mm-hmm. that? Yeah, that, that's, 
That's a good question. I think uh, it's so funny because when I was like in in high school, I think it was high school or middle school, maybe, you know, I just thought, you know, I'm going to, you know, what are the things that I like, right? So, you know, I thought, oh, I like pizza. <laughs> I like ice cream. <laughs> like, so maybe like I'll work there. Like, I, I didn't know that you could, you know, do research there, you know, you know, I, I feel like, you know, counselors were often just telling us to go to school and, you know, keep up your grades, but they, they weren't really, you know, in, in my, when I was there, you know, I might've changed now and I, and I hope it has, but there was never this talk about like, oh, there's these elite schools like Harvard, Yale, like, I, I didn't know about these things at all. Um, luckily, my brother, he's younger than me, but, like, he, he was really into, like, digging deeper and, like, getting to know more about, you know, what was out there. And so he was actually the one who started talk, saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, why not Stanford? Why not, um, you know, go to these other schools and learn, you know, um, things aside from what, what what was expected. Um, and so then I, I did become really interested in becoming a forensic scientist. And that's what sort of led me to St. Edwards. Um, but then, you know, the, the class on, I think, criminology just sort of really um, painted a picture of, you know, it's very, it's going to be very difficult to deal with situations where like, you're at a crime scene and I, I felt like that might have that might not be the same route but I was really determined that this was what I wanted to do and then um you know I I took a step back and I and I asked myself like what is it about forensic science that I really like and it's it's the like understanding and um the research part of it like okay what does this really mean and so I wanted to so I then um majored in biochemistry but you know what was I going to do after grad uh, after college right so I I I guess yeah I I guess I never I knew that I was going to like I'm I feel like I'm very ambitious and I knew that I was going to be doing something but what that was going to be like if you told me I was going to be at a startup at my own startup, <laughs> I would have been like, you're crazy. There's no way. Um, just because I never thought like being an entrepreneur was something that I would enjoy. It seemed very stressful. But I think like having that ability to make your own decisions uh, is very powerful. And I feel like I didn't have that experience a lot throughout my career. And so now I like... I, I really want that. And so be, being at that in a startup really helps me have that. And do you have, one of the things that we talk about in our organization mm-hmm. is giving students the exposure that they may not already have. And so I'm sure you've heard the quote, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Yeah. And so, Do you have any engineers or any STEM professionals or any entrepreneurs in your family? Uh, 
So my my brother is actually a professor now at UTA, so University of Arlington. Um, but you know, my dad and my mom are accountants, and so they were very much on like the business side of things. So so I guess maybe because I always wanted to be different and set my own path, I never saw business as an option. Like I just think, oh, mom and dad do it, like. I need to do something different. And I and I really liked science more and math. Like I, I thought it was interesting that like a lot of students didn't like math and somehow I felt more comfortable with math than I did with any other subject. Um, but yeah, it's I think the the thing that like you know, I think about it now and it's like I the thing that kind of helped me figure out what I wanted to do was I did the Stanford Summer Research Program. Um, so that program allows students to come to Stanford for ten, during the summer and just do research, you know, and like get to learn about what it's like to do an, uh, to be in grad school. And I think that helped so much because I didn't know what that meant. And, and, and it, literally it was just because I overheard some people saying, oh, there's going to be this event where, like, uh, they're trying to recruit uh, students to do the sum- summer programs. And I and I was like, what is that? Like, like I don't know what to do this summer. Let me just Google it and figure out what this is about. And, you know, luckily I found out that, you know, Stanford is doing one. You know, Berkeley does one too. MIT does one as well. And, and that experience was just really great. And I, I, you know, as a grad student, you can also participate in helping during the summer. And so I became a program assistant for two years and tried to help and tried to like teach the next incoming students about, you know, uh, what it's like to, to do research here. And it's just been great, like seeing my students now, seeing where they are and like what they're doing and, you know, also giving back themselves so they've also now participated in like being program assistants in in this program as well so it yeah always like giving back and helping the community has always been something that i've really enjoyed and so i'm hearing between your brother between your your exposure through these summer programs you've definitely received support and i think it's great that Mm -hmm. you're you're trying to reciprocate and yeah. and support others. Can you talk to me a little bit about any mentors that you've had in your life and, and what type of impact they've made? Yeah, so I think the one that I, I'm thinking about now is actually the CEO of, a, uh, of another startup that I was at. I think he was someone who, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting a mentor. Like usually you think about mentors in academia, like your, your advisor and um, your teachers, right? Like it's something that, you know, it, it's a word that you, it gets used very often in, in that space, but not so much when you're in industry and you just have a job, right? Like I don't, I felt like that wasn't, that wasn't something that I would hear. So it was kind of unexpected for me to like actually find a mentor in the CEO. And and um, I, I think what I really liked was that, you know, it wasn't, you, you know, we didn't think about it. It was just like, 
he he was he's just a good leader he he knows when like the team needed a little boost right like you know maybe we need to get lunch together so he would get all the team together and like talk to us about like what are some of the frustrations that we had in the lab or sometimes he needed to give us a, a push where it's like hey guys we we have a deadline I know it's hard but let's get through this and 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 he and he was always taking the time to like just get to know us a little better so like my my team at, at that startup we like to like play board games on Friday nights like after work and you know he didn't have to and but he did that like he he sometimes he would come and be like okay what's what's this game what are you guys doing and like him putting that effort and getting to like know his team I I felt like it was very rare and um um it like I admired a lot and so I feel like he's been a really great mentor for for me and my fiance too um, he recently like called us to just see how we were doing and like seeing how he could help us. So, do you struggle with being a good mentee? Oh yeah, like yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, like you. You sometimes like wonder. Oh man, I did I. I mean, like I, you know, I did the Stanford summer research program, like 2014 and 2016. That was when I was a me- uh, a mentor. And, um, oh, you meant mentee. Yeah, I, and I'll give you the, the, the context. I suck at being, (laughs) I'm horrible. There are people who I've said, oh man, they're, they're my mentor. And I feel like I reach out maybe once every two years. I'm always, I always want something. And I think I never really learned. I mean, and maybe it's it's not as formal as I'm making it out to be. Maybe it's just mm. you treat them like people who you want to stay connected to. And so you give them updates, ask them how they're doing. But I don't do that. So do you, <laughs> do you have that same struggle, for for instance, oh. with the CEO? Um, with him, it's not it's not so much. I, and that's, I think, where I feel like he, he really is a mentor because – you know, I I could email him at, right now and it would be totally fine. I, I, I never thought of it as like, I'm a bad mentee, actually, like that I don't reach out to to like, um, you know, the faculty that I knew at Stanford. Um, because it, it, and it's also interesting because like, I, I, you know, students have reached out to me. And so when they don't like respond or they don't like email me like in a few months to ask like about these, you know, things I'm like, Oh, they don't, they don't want to talk to me or like, they don't like, like I wish that they would email me more so I can, you know, still be like helping them out. So I wonder if like now are my faculty, like the people, my mentors back then, are they thinking the same thing? Like, oh, why hasn't she like called and, you know? Yeah, I guess I, I, yeah, I'm not the best mentee. It's because I think like I'm bothering them. Like they're just really busy, you know, they have their lives. and and I think it's also like age. Like I don't want them to feel like they need to be a parent, or you know, like 
yeah it's it's that weird thing where it's like i yeah i would love to talk to you but i don't want you to feel like i'm a burden would you so then if we were to flip it for anyone who considers you a mentor do you want them to just reach out to you uh unconditionally yes absolutely yeah. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's the thing like of course they're not bothering me so of course you know my advisors would probably don't won't feel that when you know i email them um so i think i just need to get better at that okay yeah well, i think i think i think we're both learning here i need to ask more yeah, yeah. <laughs> because if they are a mentor, they want to hear. Yeah, the they do. Yeah, yeah. And it, Talk to me about Ponte Las Pillas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Ponte Las Pillas is basically saying, put on the batteries, like just get up and go. And I and I think you know, you just have to, you know, some days they're hard. You know, you don't you don't know where like what your career is, uh, you know, what you're gonna do next. Like, is this really helping people? Why aren't you getting the, you know, money thrown at you? <laughs> like, there's a lot of questions, but um, I think it's just this idea of like, doesn't matter. You just you know you gotta get the day started. You know, you'll you'll figure it out. Just just put on those batteries and and go you know don't 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 sit around and think like things are going to come to you um you know put the effort in like trying to figure out you know what is it that you like what programs are out there that can help you who can i call or email to get more advice you know it, it things don't yeah you need to put in some of the work because no no one's going to know that, like, you're interested in things unless you tell them, right? So where do you find that strength to ponte las pillas and get up every day and just, mm -hmm. no matter how hard yesterday was, just get right back at it? Yeah, I think, I think what's helped a lot, and I think, um, is I, I have a routine. And I, I didn't appreciate it until I started thinking about, like, what... Yeah, what is it that like gets me up in the morning and I don't even think about like, you know, you know, like how how do you get yeah how do you get the day started? And I think it's my routine is like me and my fiance go running in the morning, and I think that's a huge stress reliever for us. Um, and you know we you know it, and so even if the day doesn't go out well we we know that we exercise like there's these little like these little moments that just like really help us get through the day um and having that routine helps so like after running we have breakfast and then we answer the emails and then we start brainstorming about like who who we're going to contact and having that routine sort of helps us get through things. Um, and I, and I think this, that my strength comes from like knowing that everything's sort of normal, right? Cause the routine's there, you know, it, you just go through it. And then 
you you know you get these moments where you get really excited about you know a potential client a potential customer who it's like oh maybe this is a new market that we hadn't thought about let's reach out and it's those little things it's that little like high from the roller coaster that you get that can like sustain you for a very long time even when you know maybe they don't respond or maybe it's not a good fit like you just keep looking for those and I think um, we've been fortunate to like find these moments that like have really helped us and uh, become a better company so you know it yeah it's the it's the routine um, and just thinking about you know just get through it put those batteries on has there has there ever been a time I mean I've you know I think it's hard to divorce a lot of our conversations these days with the fact that there's a global pandemic and it it does get tiring it does get tiring you know every email starts off with i hope that you're doing as as well as you can in these <laughs> right <laughs> and then ends with stay safe and healthy and <laughs> Wear, hashtag wear your mask and I, I but but you you have so much positivity and so much uh you speak from this place of endurance and you haven't mentioned it once really and not to mention the fact that you are you are operating a startup, a, a very small startup, and you know you said right now it's just you and your co-founder. I, you know, there is a saying in the startup world or a a concept in the startup world of trough of sorrow. Yes. Can you can you can you share with our listeners what the trough of sorrow is, whether you've experienced it, and and how you made it out? Yeah. The trough of sorrow. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know if I know the definition, you know, well enough. But to me, it's sort of you're in this gloom basically because, like, nothing seems to be working. No one seems to be um, returning your calls. Um, there doesn't seem to be a, a a fit, like with a market fit. And then, yeah, it's sort of like, what am I doing? Sort of feeling. And I think that goes back to, you know, the 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 fact that I think one of the strengths of starting a company with your significant other is you can get through that because, you know, let's say that, you know, maybe, you know, Esteban's not, He's, he's not motivated. Let's say, like, something like just whatever happened. He just, he's not motivated at all. I, kn- I know how to, like, get him out of it. Like, I know how to, like, be like, hey, it's okay. This is just one client. Let's get going, right? And and so we, we help each other, right? And so there will be days where I think, I'm like, I don't know, like, I don't know what's going to happen next, but he, but then he's the one who's like helping me get through it. And so I, I really feel for someone who's doing it on their own, like just 
like that is that is gonna that is really hard because you don't have anyone else to talk about like your passion like at least we're both experiencing it at the same time and we're seeing it in different angles so like maybe that is enough to help the other one get through it so I, I, I really do think that's one of the strengths of like starting a company with as a couple. Have you experienced it oh, yourself? Yeah. 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 Uh, the crazy thing actually for us is that, you, uh, you know, uh, so we did the NSFI core program and it's like this amazing program that just kind of like changed the way we think about a business, right? Like, it really focus. It's sort of to help scientists and engineers who really have a good idea or product learn the business side of things, right? Like it's it's not just, like it. You know, you think, oh, everyone's gonna come knocking at my door. They're gonna love this, but it's not that way, right? So so it was this um, how many weeks? Like seven week program. And we did it. And, and, and what I really love about this program that's so different from others is, like, it's hard love. Like, they're going to tell you straight up if you, they think that you're BSing or because they don't want you to, like, waste your time doing something that, you know, it, it's a major life change, right? They want to make sure that you understand that you need to have a product market fit. You need to find the customer that really wants your product, that it's a shark bite, that it's something that, you know, people are foaming at the mouth for, right? It's it's not enough that it's a nice to have because a nice to have does not open that wallet, does not start that discussion of like, okay, this is the, the buying cycle, we really need this, we need to start talking about it. So like, there's a lot of hurdles that people might not know about. And so we we had done that program and it sort of felt like, like, okay, we have a nice to have. So so what are we gonna do now? And and um, it with COVID, like everything changed, like the whole market changed because now people were talking about point of care diagnostics. They were talking about like tests aren't sensitive enough. Tests aren't, you know, we need to do a lot of testing. Testing every day is important. And that's what we kind of, that was our pitch that this is really important. But, but I think COVID helped people see that. Um, and so now we're getting, I, now we're getting the people who are interested, who are emailing us, who who now I feel like we have a better fit with the grants that are out there. And so it's just quite completely crazy how this shift has really shifted how we are as a business. So before this, we were actually thinking, okay, we need to talk to our mentor and, and say, hey, we're looking for jobs. Like, I think this is just something that we'll do on the side. Um, and no, it's just, it's, it's so weird because yeah, we were in that valley and then we're out of it and we're just, you know, waiting to hear from the grants, waiting to, you know, from the customers and just keep going at going, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well so I <clears throat> you have your parents who 
are STEM professionals, you have your brother who's a go-getter and connected you with, or at least exposed you to all these Ivies out there. What would you say to a young woman, let's say, who's listening right now and who is, you've you really piqued her interest, but maybe she doesn't have the resources or the connections or the access or, or even the familiarity on how to get started. Uh, but she, she says, that is exactly what I want to do. Oh, that's great. Um, it, yeah, that, what I would say to her is just, you know, reach out. Like, I think that's always been an issue with, for me is that like, I'm always, I always think that I can do things on my own. And I think it is a good trait to have to like get you through high school and college and, and grad school as well. But I think at some point you also need to know that there are people out there who want to help who's like been through it too and sometimes you're gonna get a no sometimes you're gonna get some people who don't respond to your emails and that's okay I think maybe sometimes as women we're afraid that like we're gonna get rejected and being at a startup you, you know you get that rejection a lot but it's actually good because it's it, it, allow, it allows you to see that it, it's not the end of the world like it's not you know, it doesn't define you. You just keep going. You just keep trying. And at some point, you are going to find those people who really do care. Um, and so, you know, that brings me back to my mentor. Like, I wasn't looking for someone, but there he is. And and so it's sort of this reach out, but don't don't expect too much if, if it doesn't work out. Um, at, at some point, you know, you will find someone who, you know, you, you like connect with really well and um, might, you know, be a long-term friendship that can help you in the long run. Dr. Brenda Torres, it was a pleasure to meet you and speak with you. It's so nice to talk to you too, Matt. Thank, thank you so much for this. Yeah, really thank fun. you. Thank you. You've you've got uh, so much inspiration to offer, and and I can't wait to share your story. Thank you. The Technically Two Hundred podcast is hosted by me, Matt Stevenson. Post production is handled by Noriel Aurelio. Our theme music is produced and edited by DJ Slice. Have a recommendation for a Black or Latinx woman in STEM we should feature? Email me at Matt at code2college.org. You can find us online on Twitter, Instagram, and technically200.com. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Thursday with a brand new episode.